On today's episode of Locked On, Longhorns coming to you with the eighth spring practice updates. Plus, Moro Ojimo, senior defensive lineman, did not hold back about this Texas football team in a press conference. We discussed that. Plus, the Texas Longhorns football team and Sark were looking to offer David Cutcliffe a off-the-field slash offensive analyst slash we think you'll give us a boost in the Arch Manning recruitment sweepstakes type role. But he decided to take another position. What does that mean for the Longhorns football team? Longhorn Nation, tap in. Our Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Longhorn Nation, it's Locked On Longhorns, your daily number one source for all things Texas athletics, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Jonathan Davis. If you're listening on audio, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you like and rate and review and us giving us five stars. Anything less than that, I have to believe you're not listening hard enough. And if you're listening or watching on YouTube, make sure you give us a like. Make sure you give us a subscription. We're about 200 subscribers away from a thousand. The slow motion is better than no motion. I'm thankful to see that number going up every day. Of course, thank you for the love and support, Longhorn Nation. Everything I do is for y'all, and I cannot do this without y'all. So thank you for continuing to like, subscribe, listen, watch, whatever you're doing, just supporting me. Locked on Longhorns and Locked on Podcast Network. So once again, thank you for all the love. Getting into the eighth spring practice updates. What we've seen thus far halfway through spring practices is most of the time the defense has won the day. That's been a common theme. We've seen improvements on the defensive line, specifically in the run game, not where they want to be in the pass rush thus far, but the defensive line has definitely been more aggressive in pursuit um, and just made a lot more plays. Um, in the spring, of course, it's the spring. Once again, I tell you, you got to take everything you're, uh, you're hearing with a, a grain of salt. But um, the defense has looked really good and looked really aggressive and looked more hungry than they did at times last year at the linebacker position. We know Jalen Ford and David Bender have had really good springs and we know how talented agent zero is. This linebacker position should be uh, a lot more productive than they were last year. And then the defensive backfield, we know that's where the superstars of spring practice have been uh, specifically Ryan Watts and Jade Barron, um, Jade Barron at the nickel star position. And then Ryan Watts, the six, three transfer corner from Ohio state, who's really caused problems for receivers in spring practice with his length being 6'3", having those long arms and really giving receivers trouble getting off the line of scrimmage. Well, the offense, which was described after Saturday's practice and winning in passing drills, not so much in their you know run game, but definitely in the past they had a better day. On Thursday, it looks like that theme continued. The offense won the day. When talking about the running back, sources say this running back room continues to dominate on the field. Uh, of course, it starts with B. John Robinson, you know, one of the best players in the country. And we know what he can do in all phases, uh, being able to pass, protect, being able to catch passes out of the backfield and also, you know, being dominant in the run game. One of the best players in the country, not just running backs. But then behind him, you have Roshan Johnson, who will start for most teams in the country. We know what he can do on all of those phases as well. But, you know, of course, him switching from the quarterback position, he gives you a little bit of that dynamic as well. Keelan Robinson, one of the fastest players in the country, a playmaker that will be utilized a lot this year. Um, 
Jaden Blue, four-star freshman running back out of Houston. He's been a superstar in spring practices thus far. Jonathan Brooks is super talented. And then Jaden Hullaby moving over from the linebacker to the running back position. Uh, one thing that, you know, Inside Texas mentioned, which I think was a really good point, was you have a bunch of running backs that kind of do the same thing, which as far as, you know, being able to be explosive, you know, get out there in, in the run game, make plays, can take any carry uh, to the house, really. But when you look at Brendan Marion and his go-go offense, a lot of times they're going to want to have uh, two running backs on the field, right? They talked about 20 personnel being something that you're going to see with this Texas Longhorns football team a lot more, which is two running backs on the field and maybe zero tight ends, especially, um, you know, with the emergence of all three receivers and Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, and Isaiah Nair and how they could look on the field together. So then if you talk about having two running backs on the field at the same time, that you don't necessarily have the depth at the running back position that you thought you had, especially when, you know, kind of four or five running backs do the same thing. But then you have Janet Hullaby that comes in that gives you, you know, that big body that's used to being a linebacker, played linebacker, quarterback and running back in high school. But he brings you that different kind of H back big hybrid running back slash role, somebody that can come in, be a lead blocker. You know, you're not looking for any running backs, maybe outside of Roshan Johnson, but even you don't want him in that role to be a, a lead blocker. Definitely Keelan uh, is probably too small to be a lead blocker. Um, and you're not expecting Jaden Blue or Jonathan Brooks to do that either. So and you're looking at Brendan Marion and his go-go offense and having two running backs on the field, but you're also looking at a running back that can, you know, kind of coexist as a blocker, but also somebody that can get the ball and make plays. Then I think you don't have the depth that you thought you did and that's a, a really good spot for Jaden Hullaby. So shout out to Inside Texas for nailing that. That's a really good point. As far as the quarterback position, both quarterbacks looked really good. Hudson Carr was described as being more confident and poised. I'm not sure if he listened to Locked On Longhorns, and we talked about how he struggled with pressure in Saturday spring uh, practice and, and said, I need to pick that up. But he did on Thursday spring practice. Also, Sark, you know, he kind of danced around it a little bit, but he wasn't shy about talking about contact courage um, and just being more confident in the pocket, having that pocket presence. And, and so maybe, you know, Hudson Carr took that and, and said, I need to be better with that. But that's definitely something he showed in Thursday spring practice, being able to use his legs uh, when need be to escape the pressure, but also standing in the pocket and being able to deliver the ball to the receivers downfield. And sources talked about how, he really has been able, especially in Thursday spring practice, to show that dual threat ability. They talked about Quinn Ewers being the more pro style, you know, sit in the pocket, being able to deliver the pocket uh, passes from the pocket quarterback. Well, Hudson Carr, uh, you know, kind of being able to to break down the defense in different ways in the pocket, showing a little bit more pocket presence out of Thursday's practice, but also being able to, to, you know, use those legs, take what the defense gives them and being able to move the ball that way. So really good practice from Hudson Carr. He had a deep pass, a deep touchdown pass to Marcus Washington over Deshaun Jameson. So good to see Marcus Washington uh, make his plays. We know that Casey Kane has emerged as wide receiver four, at least thus far in spring practices, especially with Troy O'Meary's injury. Um, but Marcus Washington is a player that Sark really likes uh, for his proficiency on special teams and just his aggressiveness in the run game, the way that he blocks. And so it's good to see him making uh, plays in the passing game. This is a position that does not have a lot of depth right now. So if Marcus Washington can come on and Casey Kane can continue to come on, um, that's going to be really good uh, for this receiver group that's kind of top-heavy right now with Isaiah Nair, Jordan Whittington, and Xavier Worthy separating themselves but once again good day for Hudson Carr Quinn Ewers did throw two picks in Thursday spring practice one was described as the receiver's fault and after 
Quinn Ewers threw the pick. Brennan Marion, the wide receiver coach, was really animated going up to the receiver, uh, making sure uh, that he got the coaching that he needed. And even Quinn Ewers went over there and, and coached him up a little bit. So hopefully whatever mistake the receiver made will not happen again. Uh, Quinn Ewers also threw another pick to Anthony Cook. Uh, it was in zone defense. I think that Quinn Ewers, from what I'm hearing, did not see um, Anthony Cook, so he made a mistake. And, you know, that's kind of been a theme thus far. We've heard that Hudson Card has been more efficient in spring practices. Quinn Ewers has definitely thrown a couple of picks. There's been a couple of practices where he's thrown multiple picks. But we talked about, you know, how he has that gunslinger mentality. And, you know, players with arm talent like Quinn Ewers think they can make every throw. And I'm willing to live with a couple of picks if Quinn Ewers um, is going to be aggressive because, like I said, he's going to create more opportunities for the defense definitely just because he thinks he has the confidence um, and the arm talent to make every throw. But because of that, he's going to be aggressive and he's going to put the ball up for receivers to make plays like we saw in that clip to Casey Kane. So if he creates a couple more opportunities for the defense, I'm fine with that. If it turns to him to creating a lot more opportunities for the offense, which it looked like he did on Thursday spring practice as well. He was able to throw a deep touchdown pass uh, to Xavier worthy. He made a really nice pass um, down the field uh, to Isaiah Nair before he threw that pass on um, the interception to Anthony cook. And so he had a really good day um, as well. Like I said, he made a couple of mistakes. One was described as being on the receiver. Another one, he threw a pick to Anthony Cook. But like I said, he has that gunslinger mentality. And, you know, I'm fine with him creating a couple more opportunities for the defense as long as he creates way more opportunities for the offensive side. The DBs were described as playing a little more hesitant than they have in the past. I think the receivers had a really good day and the DBs kind of played off of them and weren't as aggressive to make sure they didn't get burned in one-on-one. -on -one. So this is something that we saw last year that hasn't been a theme thus far in spring practices. They've been playing more aggressive. Sark talked about them being more sticky in coverage with the additions of Ryan Watts, Terrence Brooks, Jalen Gilbo, and, you know, Jade Barron kind of having a coming out party in this year's spring practices. Everybody talking about him being a breakout candidate. I think that they've been really aggressive. They kind of got off of that in Thursday's spring practice and, and kind of let the receivers dictate the day. It's really good to hear that from the receivers and the offense because the defense has won the day more often than not in spring practices. But you would like to see them clean that up maybe in Saturday's partial scrimmage and make sure they're getting back to that aggressive nature. And like, you know, Xavier Worthy and Coach Marion said, iron sharpens iron. And so even though the receivers won the day, you want the DBs to come in there be aggressive and say, we're not going to let that happen again. So good stuff, uh, you know, from the receiver group, not as good from the DBs, but we know they've been really good in spring practices thus far. And I expect them to turn that around. As far as the offensive line, they did not have a good day. And, what I've been hearing is, is that they really need an influx of new talent on the offensive line. I think they have some players they like on the offensive line thus far. Of course, Jake Majors is probably a stalwart on that offensive line right now. But um, they're looking at the offensive line and just saying they're not playing with enough dog in them. Like they're not playing with enough fight. They're not playing with enough aggressiveness. They're showing it at times, but it's not a consistent effort. And that's just not something we want to see coming off of a season where this offensive line was not great at all. And so they think that there could be two to three even new starters on this offensive line. Uh, you know, when the six prospects from the seven that were recruited in the 2022 offensive line class come in over the summer, we've heard that Cole Hudson has a realistic chance uh, to start at some point, if not by the first game of the season at right guard. I've talked about how Kelvin Banks, five star out of Humble, has a really good chance to compete 
uh, with Christian Jones at that right tackle spot, maybe come in and start as a true freshman. And now I'm starting to think as well, even though they really like um, Andre Carriage and, and, and Junior at uh, the left guard position, Andre Carriage at the left tackle position, we know how good Devin Campbell is, the number one offensive line recruit in the nation. I think he can really compete for that left guard position, especially if they're not seeing what they want to see from the offensive line thus far. So good stuff from the offense. It looks like the the quarterbacks, the running backs and the receivers were able to have a really good day, even in spite of the offensive line, not showing that dog in them. But, you know, it all starts and ends in the trenches. If the offensive line isn't dominating, like we're used to them seeing, then it doesn't matter what you have on the outside or what you have in the backfield if the quarterbacks don't have time to get the ball to those playmakers. So look uh, for this offensive line to shake up a lot when those six offensive linemen from the 2022 all-gas, no-breaks class get here over the summer. Coming up next, we're going to talk about Mojo, Moro Ojimos, excuse me, comments about this Texas football team. He made some really strong comments and I think they're worth listening to. But first, a word from our sponsors. If you're hungry, try Built Bar, especially the Puffs. If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. So good. These are going to be your new favorite. Low calorie, high protein, replace your candy bars with these. At Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first and then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every single time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So Moral Ojimo, senior defensive lineman out of Katy, did a press conference a 25-minute press conference. He really gave the media everything they were looking for, did not hold back about the Texas football team last year and what they need to do to win football games this year. So we're getting into some of the highlights right now. So he talked about how last year he didn't think that players hated to lose as much as they wanted to win. So he thought that players did not hate to lose as much as they wanted to win. And, and I think that's really a key. And, and he talked about how kind of there were a lot of players on this football team last year that put their individual goals above the team goals. Right. And so if you have players that don't hate to lose, then a five and seven season isn't necessarily going to bother them as much. And when you don't have the right culture in place, a five and seven season, all that means to some players on the team is, well, it wasn't me. You know, as long as I got my stats, as long as I got and I'm not singling any players out here, I'm not going to mention any players. But, you know, whether it's oh, I got my catches or I got my touches or I got my tackles or I looked good today, that kind of takes precedent over what the team looks like as a whole. And that's something that, um, you know, defensive lineman out of Katie Moro Ojimo, senior defensive lineman, uh, mentioned that there was too many players that had individual agendas on the football team last year. And we kind of saw that, you know, typically when you see teams that have the talent that we had, although there were some deficiencies, this was not a five and seven football team by any means, even though they went five and seven. But there was a huge culture problem in place. Uh, and they talked about, you know, he talked about kind of some players um, just kind of being happy to wear that burnt and orange, kind of happy to represent this Texas football team. 
but not really putting in the work that it takes to be successful. And and you see that, especially when you have a big brand like the Texas Longhorns football team. Sometimes players are just happy to be there, right? They just say, I'm a University of Texas football player, and that's enough for them, right? But they don't really put in the work that it needs to be um, needs to be put in to, to make sure that they're winning games and properly representing this football team, right? I, I've talked to some fans that said at times it didn't look like the football team cared enough, right? Players were you know, giving up plays on, on the defensive end or not playing plays on the offensive end. And then you see them on the sidelines smiling, you know, kind of having that it is what it is mentality. Right. And as fans and, and people that cover the team, that's not what you want to see. You want to see players go out there, give 110 percent and put it out all on the line. And that's something that we know we didn't get from the football team last year. But I think that, you know, Moro Ojimo, who stepped up as a leader this year, um, really kind of made that known in his comments. So he talked about players um, not hating to lose enough. He talked about players having an individual agenda. And he talked about if the team could come together and make plays as a football team, then they'll be able to achieve the team goals while also keeping their individual goals in sight. So he talked about how Georgia has, you know, five defensive players in the top 50 prospects in this 2022 class, because, not only are they all individually talented, but they came together for one common goal, ultimately won a national championship. And now they're all getting the recognition and the praise as individuals um, going into the 2022 draft for the NFL because of the plays they made, but also because they were on the biggest stage of college football, making plays as a unit and doing what they needed to do to win the national championship. So that's something that Morrow um, Ojemo talked about is them being able to come together as a team and achieve team goals, which will ultimately help the players reach the individual goals instead of focusing on individual goals and neglecting the needs of the team. And so he talked about one thing that the team is focused on is becoming more of a family and becoming more of a brotherhood. And we know that to win games, you have to be a cohesive unit, right? The, the locker room pretty much has to be one. And it seems like what continues to come out from this football team last year, we talked about how Bijan has stepped up as a leader. Roshan talked about his press conferences. He stepped up in the leader. Keandro Chandre Coburn said the players need to, more, need to be more accountable. Players need to step up. Um, and now Moro Ojimo is saying it that they didn't have that player accountability last year. They didn't have players stepping up and taking accountability for the issues and the lack of leadership that they had on this football team last year. And Moro Ojimo said it needs to be players-led, coaches-fed, right? You can't count on the coaches uh, to necessarily just create the culture and, and be the leaders and create that sense of accountability. It has to come from the players as well, because at the end of the day, they're the ones on the field. So the coaches can talk to you until you're blue in the face. But if the players don't care, or they're only focused on, you know, getting to the NFL or doing what they need to do to be successful or their life after football and not really caring about, you know, what the Texas football team does or, you know, just kind of getting caught up in the glitz and glamour of being a football player at one of the biggest programs in the nation and not really focused on winning. That all affects the football team at the end of the day and putting your individual goals before the team's football goals only causes things like we saw last year, which is, you know, collapsing at the end of games, not having that accountability and ultimately going five and seven on a football team that had way too much talent to have a under 500 record in Sark's first year. And so he talked about, you know, kind of stepping up and being a leader, um, you know, to this current football team. He talked about whatever class is the senior class that turns this football team at Texas around um, is going to be, you know, a class that's remembered for a long time. And he talked about who's going to be the one to step up and say, we're tired of losing at the University of Texas. You know, like 
five and seven or six and six or seven and five, that's not acceptable for the University of Texas. And it's been acceptable for too long. Right. And so who's going to step up and buck that trend? Who's going to step up and make a change? And, and so I thought that he was really sharp in his press conference, came off as a leader and just talked about we're tired of losing. Right. It's time for this team to compete for a Big 12 championship. It's not about incremental progress. It's not about, uh, you know, Texas is on the right track. It's about Texas being where it needs to be. And so he talked about being a leader. He also talked about, you know, younger players, especially recently um, with the culture that had been established, which they're working to move off from. Um, younger players just coming in and, like I said, enjoying that glitz and glamour of being a Texas football player, not really understanding what it needs to be to come into a tough culture, win football games, and do what you need to do for your teammates and do what you need to do on the field to be able to achieve team goals and ultimately make sure that all the players um, are achieving their individual goals as well. It seems like players have been coming in to this football program, especially the young players, not having the guidance of over player, older players or the leadership of older players and just have came in and said, well, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to do me. Right. And that's why this Texas football team has not had success in a long time. What looks like not just, you know, moral Ojimo, but all of these football players have noticed a clear need and accountability and a clear need and leadership. And they have taken it upon themselves to make sure, like he said, that they are, you know, players led coaches fed right making sure that they're doing what they need to do to have the right mindset to go out there and attack the day every day and make sure they're competitive as a texas football team so shout out to moro ojimo like i said he did not hold back in his comments but everything that he said about this texas football team is true and it looks like they're working really hard the players are to build a different type of culture at the university of texas and hopefully it manifests itself on the field moving forward and they can improve on a five and seven season in which they lacked leadership and accountability that's been a point of emphasis in winter conditioning, spring practices, and hopefully last throughout the summer into the fall and the 2022 football season. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including this week's Master Championships odds, podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So former Duke head coach David Cutcliffe was looking to be brought on to the Texas staff by Steve Sarkeesian in an off-the-field slash offensive analyst role. And we know that he spent a lot of time at Duke as the head coach. He's been world-renowned, uh, especially in the NFL, as the work that he's been able to do with quarterbacks. He coached Peyton Manning at the University of Tennessee. He coached Eli Manning at Ole Miss. Um, and we know that Eli and Peyton are the uncles of Arch Manning, who Texas is in the trenches with right now in the 2023 recruiting class, trying to bring him on to the 40 acres. Uh, Peyton Manning and Eli Manning also during their NFL careers went to Durham, North Carolina a lot where Duke is located to spend time with David Cutcliffe and make sure they were continuing to have throwing sessions with him and, you know, getting coached up by him even outside of college while they were in the NFL. And so we know that he has a connection to the Manning family. I think that, Sark wanted to bring him on not only to be able to work with the quarterbacks, help them recruit other quarterbacks, but of course, just that connection of him with the Manning family uh, will help them possibly in the Arch Manning sweepstakes. Well, he decided uh, to take a role working closely with the commissioner in the SEC. He spent a lot of time in the SEC. Like I said, he coached 
uh, Peyton Manning at Tennessee and coached Eli Manning at Ole Miss. And so now he's taking a role uh, close to the SEC commissioner. He'll be working with him on making sure, uh, you know, things go well as far as operations wise in the SEC. And so I don't think this is a huge loss for Texas. I think it would have given them a boost with the connection with the Manning family. But I think they're still doing very well in Arch Manning's recruitment. I saw a story come out um, recently that it was probably, you know, 33 percent, 33 percent, 33 percent as far as Texas, Alabama and Georgia right now. Honestly, we won't really know until Arch Manning makes a decision. But I don't think the loss necessarily we saw that, you know, kind of the report saying that it was very likely that he was going to come on the staff. So I wonder what happened that made him decide uh, to go take the position with the SEC. Maybe he's so used to being a head coach that, you know, kind of being a special special assistant to the coach or an offensive analyst or, you know, off the field type role wasn't something he was interested in once he thought about it further. But I don't think this will affect Arch Manning's recruitment or this Texas football team too much. And I think one thing we should just be happy about is that he's not at another school, specifically a school um, that, you know, is in the trenches in the Arch Manning recruitment. So I thought it was interesting that at one point it was reported uh, at early February that he was likely to join the staff and ended up, you know, kind of working with Greg Sankey as the SEC commissioner and, you know, kind of a special assistant role to him. But it's also a blessing that he did not go to another school that's competing with Texas for Arch Manning's recruitment. And therefore, I wouldn't read too much into it as Longhorn fans that they did not secure David Cutcliffe on this offensive staff. Thank you for tuning in to Locked On Longhorns, your daily number one source for all things Texas athletics, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Longhorn Nation, enjoy your weekend. Peace.